It's Tape Tuesday, so we're breaking down Florida versus Georgia. But first, we'll talk about Dan Mullen's recruiting response from yesterday's press conference, which has gotten everybody in a fit, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, every day available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Tape Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all my written work. Getting right into this Cruton talk from Dan Mullen. Uh, I will start off by saying I'm going to read the quote or the paraphrase, whatever, but I'm going to get into it. But I'm going to start by saying I think it's being uh, a little exaggerated. And I feel like I'm someone who at least recently has been very on Dan Mullen about things. Uh, I don't think this is one of the things that people should be on him about. Basically, if you don't know, you didn't hear, you didn't watch the video that's going around, uh, didn't didn't see the tweet with everything, whatever it may be. Uh, Dan Mullen was asked about recruiting and basically he said, or not even basically, here's a quote. Uh, we're in the season now. We'll do recruiting after the season. When it gets to recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. Um, and a lot of people are having a bit of a bit, bit of a tissy about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what they're doing. They're, they're throwing fits. Um, I've seen people be like, oh, it's not what he said. It's how he said it. And um yeah, I don't I don't particularly care about that. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, where it's like, I don't care if it's not what he said, it's how he said it. That means nothing to me, uh, especially when you look at Dan Mullen. He's someone who he's always been a little, a little bit on the sassy side. So I, I don't care if he's been too sassy for people's likings. Uh, that means nothing to me. And I mean, again, when it... I know people are taking this as we're not recruiting right now. It's not recruiting season. Oh, it's always recruiting season. And yes, you are completely right. It is always recruiting season. College football, you know, they've said basically you're taking two full-time jobs, one being a coach of a program and two recruiting for the same program. So yeah, I'm totally on board where it's always recruiting season. So to say it's not recruiting season, that's the thing I don't like about what he said, but I'm not going to get into a huge fit about that because Maya, I'm assuming, and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here to say, he's not saying it's not recruiting season, but he is saying that it is football season. It's in-game season right now. So he's not going to get into recruiting talk. Uh, David Waters, who asked the question, uh, I, I took it the same way that he took it. You know, he, David Waters, of course, asked the question and he tweeted out, he's like, I don't think of it as, we're not recruiting it. I was, we're not recruiting right now. I think of it as we are in the season, so we're not going to talk about recruiting right now, which I I think is fair because you know we we've still got we just took a rough L back to back L's. Um, it's it's been pretty rough. Three of the last four have been dropped. It's been a rough patch of the season right now. We've got to figure out what's going on with quarterback. We've got to figure out what's going on with this defense. What's going on with everybody? So. I, I don't really blame uh, Dan Mullen for this response or not wanting to talk recruiting. And it's also like, 
this isn't new or insane or wacky from like this isn't wacky Dan Mullen here like like this this is nothing really crazy because last week was the bye week and Dan Mullen was asked recruiting questions granted it was about recruiting on the road which we know which we now know he cannot do but he was asked about recruiting and he didn't get into it it's like why why is it a big deal now it's it's what he said it's it's not what he said it's how he said it it's where the way he said I, I don't care about that uh, would we appreciate updates in the recruiting realm? Absolutely. Uh, do we think that Dan Mullen is deserving of a lot of the criticism that he's received lately, especially with things like not being mature and taking responsibility for the team's shortcomings or for anything like that? Absolutely. Does he deserve the backlash he's getting right now for not getting into recruiting talk? I don't think, I, I think that's, frankly dumb to get mad about the way he said things like he's they're obviously recruiting this is a power five program and a good power five program at that in the midst of a really crappy year but a good power five program they're always recruiting you know abc always be recruiting it's as simple as that it, it it's nothing more than just in my and until i'm proven wrong this is my take on it it's nothing more than him just being like we're in the season we're not going to talk about it right now that's it. But now it's time for Tape Tuesday right after. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of. I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the Star players of the Power Five, like Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, Jacob Copeland, Kimori Gamble, anyone you want, and even the lower play, the lower tier programs that you might not know, uh, like like if we look at Toledo, Brian Kobach, Bryce Mitchell, guys like that. But all of them, you know, why not? Prospects allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on LeBron points, but the under on. Mahomes rushing yards. I don't know why you would do that anyway, but yeah, sure. In this same entry, don't hesitate. Check out prizefix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizefix is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, you know how it goes. It's two plays each segment because it is tape Tuesday. First up, we're going to take a look at Rashad Torrance II's first interception here. And I'm just going to play this while I get into it. Uh, Georgia has four receivers on the right side, and the running back is on the right in the backfield as well. And that's how we know that this is going to be zone coverage because Kair Elam is on the left side by himself with, again, no no receiver there at all. Like, not even, not even in the backfield. So we know Kair Elam is by himself. It's going to be zone. That is the only look that you're going to show, that, or that's the only coverage you're going to play out of that look there. So it's cover three also based on the way Kyrie Elam drops, Trey Dean drops, Avery Helm drops, and Tyrone Hopper drops. Uh, Rashad Torrance has the flat read here. Uh, Rashad Torrance is right over there. He is now running up the sideline. And with John Fitzpatrick, the tight end, um, who's in like a slot receiver role at this point. But um, yeah, so Rashad Torrance has the flat read. He can see Rashad Orange right here on the screen. If you're look, if you're curious, if you're watching, um, so he can see exactly what's going to happen here because he's looking at this and he goes, "Okay, I have the flat read. The flat. There were the only guy that's even a threat to go into the flat at this point is John Fitzpatrick, who's running an out and an up. So Rashad Torrance just sticks with him 
on the up part of that. And he goes with him the whole way up the sideline near the end zone, gets the interception. And I will say this. I don't think that this was a bad read at all by Stetson Bennett. Um, I think it was more a terrible ball, but I think the read is fine because you got three receivers that are going out for a pass. One cuts across the formation. He's got Kyrie Elam and Trey Dean right with him. So he's already taken himself or he's already out of the play because he's covered by two very good DBs. Avery Helm running with the wide receiver down uh, for like, he ran kind of a skinny post, but Avery Helm was with him the entire time. And then you've got John Fitzpatrick going deep in single coverage with a safety. And at that point you go, I'm going to take that shot more than any other option here. Because if you throw to your receiver, that's running across the field, you've got two DBs there. If you throw to the one that's covered by Avery Helm, you've got a corner there in the middle of the field and trading can probably make that read and react in time. If you challenge with John Fitzpatrick, if you challenge Rashad Torrance deep down the sideline, you've got a chance of winning that jump ball against the safety or maybe throwing it out of bounds. I don't think it was a bad read at all. I don't think it was a bad play call by Georgia. I just think it was a terrible ball by Stetson Bennett. But the read was fine. The play call was fine. Everything there was fine. It was just a horrible ball. And Rashad Torrance made a fantastic play on it here. The next play that we're going to look at is very simple to break down. You can see if you're watching, it is on the goal line. It is very close, and it is the only points that Florida scored. It is Emory Jones' rushing touchdown, which I wasn't really going to break down, but uh, I'll be damned if I'm not talking about the one time the Gators scored here. And I will again say that Florida brought up Georgia's points per game allowed. I don't care if it went from 6.6 to 6.625. They brought it up. That's all that matters to me. That's what, that's, what, that's what I'm rolling with here. I take my W's where I can get them. And here, it's QB draw all the way. Before the play, you can even look at it and you go, oh, look, Florida's in an empty set. Quarterback draw is coming is usually a solid guess there. Uh, and it was quarterback draw all the way. Georgia, they, they motioned a little bit. They had six defenders in the box here. And it was... Interesting because Florida's in an empty set with no tight end out there. So it's five O-linemen and Emory against six defenders. O-line, you know, I, I give them credit because Florida pretty much dialed this one up saying, we are going to trust our offensive line to do their jobs and do their jobs they did. They handled their man and they let Emory create the rest. Uh, um, I realize I never played it. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, but Emory's going... And he cuts it upfield. He gets met pretty much at the one by Georgia's DB, uh, by Georgia's linebacker. But, you know, to no avail there. Uh, fantastic play call. And it, it was one of those plays where you're like, all right, um, we're, we're just going to, we trust our guys. We're going to let them do their jobs. And don't get me wrong, Florida's offensive line did not dominate this rep by any stretch of the imagination. They did get helped a lot by both of Georgia's edge defenders really taking very wide angles and bending a ton around the tackles, taking themselves out of the play essentially because, well, now they can't catch Emery because he's cutting up field already. So they can't catch him here. Uh, the offensive line, they, they, it was a stalemate. They didn't win these blocks. They didn't lose these blocks, but Hey, sometimes that's all you need. And Emery 
fell forward while also getting his face mask grabbed. It was, it was pretty ugly. Uh, but hey, Emery scored. The Gators scored. It was the first touchdown, the only touchdown of the game for Florida. Um, it was not the last touchdown of the game because Zamir White, I believe it was, had a 42-yard touchdown run after. But this was just one of those play calls where Florida's like, hey, we're, we're going to let our O-line do their thing. We're going to let our QB do his thing. And we're going to let people create and hopefully come up with some big plays here because we ain't getting shut out, basically. It, it, that's That was pretty much the sentiment of the play call, and it was fantastically executed. Uh, they'd run QB draw a lot on Saturdays, more with Anthony Richardson than Emory Jones. Um, and it, it worked to its best possibility here by getting points on the board. We're going to break down... Anthony Richardson's completion to Jacob Copeland in the first half and Anthony Richardson's pick six right before halftime um, because I, I wasn't going to do that one either, but I feel like it's important to be talked about for a couple of reasons. Not, nothing really bashing Anthony Richardson. More more going at the coaching staff here. We're going to watch this play one more time because Emery's touchdown. And also I will say the linebacker safety role here. Uh, he waited way too long to attack. Like I realize if you watch the animation I have on the screen. It's like, why is he standing still so long? And it's like, because he stood still so long. I don't know what his thought process was, but uh, it took him way too long to read and react to this play and make a play and attack. So that that is why Florida scored here. Pretty much, he screwed up is the, <laughs> is the way to go about it. I'm going to play it one more time because why not? It's going to be a little bit of fun. Uh, but yeah, again, the edges just went way too wide here and, and opened it up for Florida. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I did. I don't know about you, but I know I did because I used Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all, and I do mean all of your sports action. Bet Online covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, everything. You can go politics, aliens attacking, go nuts with it with real time updated odds and props on almost. Anything you can imagine, it is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook extras. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space, O N for your 50% welcome bonus. And now, as promised, we are breaking down an Anthony Richardson completion to Jacob Copeland in the first half of the game on Saturday, which was a great play here. Uh, you can see we've got two tight ends here, Kimori Gamble and Keon Zipperer. Keon Zipperer is the one on the right, Kimori Gamble is the one on the left. And Georgia is playing Mabel coverage. If you don't know what Mabel is, which I've, I've explained it before, but if you weren't here for it, Mabel means that if there are three receivers on one side and one receiver on the other, then the side with one receiver, so in this case, Keon Zipper on the right, is man coverage, and the side with three receivers is cover three. Nick Saban brought this defense about. He made it great. He made it all these things, and now Georgia is playing it, which is not surprising at all. Um, but, yeah, that's what we've got on this field right now. You could tell because Darian Kendrick is solo, covers Keon Zipper, comes across the formation, but the receivers on the left side are clearly playing zone. Specifically, look at that corner on the left side who's near Jacob Copeland, but he's got to watch Kamori Gamble also, who's running the out. It's a bit of a high-low read force here. Uh, and I don't know if Jacob Copeland was running a curl and he just like cut it in quite a bit, or if he was supposed to be running a dig and cut it to find a soft spot in the zone. 
but he found the soft spot in his own. Kimura Gamble is running in the flat, which means Keely Ringo can't commit to Jacob Copeland since he's got to watch Kimura Gamble. And then Justin Shorter is the one that runs a dig route over the middle to clear things up a little bit, bring some of those defenders away from Jacob Copeland, who is also cutting it inside a little bit. So he kind of clears that space a little bit, gives Jacob Copeland that space to make the play. And Anthony Richardson, Copeland right on the numbers for a short gain here. And this is one of those plays where, look, Anthony Richardson had a a, a rough game on Saturday. I think there's no denying that. Uh, we, we discussed it last week and the week before. We were like, hey, if Emory Jones gets benched, I don't know if it'll happen before or after the Georgia game because we don't know if Dan Mullen would want to throw Anthony Richardson to the Wolves, essentially, by making him play against Georgia this early on in his career in his first start. But that's what happened. So it was a rough game. We knew it would be a rough game at some point. Um, but this is one of those plays where you watch and you go, okay, like, like he can make his reads. He's He's got it down. He's He's got obviously a lot of potential. This game was, this was of course, before everything came crumbling down. But uh, this is one of those plays where you, you watch it and you're like, all right, Anthony Richardson, he's got some stuff going on with him. Jacob Copeland caught the ball and gained two yards after the catch, nothing big there. Uh, but it was fantastic to find a spot in the defense. I I know that he had Kimori Gamble in the flat also if he wanted that, but he had Jacob Copeland just so open here. And it was a quick, easy pitch and catch. This was one of the plays where you watch and you go, if we can do this consistently, we're going to kill. And Jacob Copeland is open quite a big, quite a bit. Uh, so getting in the ball here is just fantastic by Anthony Richardson. We'll watch the play one more time before we move on to the next play, which is going to be not as fun, uh, but I got some things to say about it. So we're going to do that. Now we're looking at the fourth and final play of tape Tuesday. And like I said, I got some things to say about it, but first we're going to watch it happen. Uh, if you forgot, because I mentioned it before, but if you forgot, this is the pick six that Anthony Richardson threw right before halftime. There were 17 seconds left in the uh, first half at the time of the snap here. It was really fun to watch. Uh, if you watched it live, it was just it was just so much fun to see this happen. Uh, but yeah, Florida's got empty backfield here. Malik Davis is far out wide, right? He is the receiver here that was intended. He ran the curl. He was the intended target here. Nicobe Dean, of course, picked it up, picked it off, took it to the house. Um, again, I didn't want to talk about this play. I was going to keep it generally positive. I was going to cover Rashad Torrance's other interception here, but I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to people if I didn't cover this back-breaking interception here. So Georgia's got two defenders almost 30 yards downfield prior to the snap. Uh, I didn't include them. I included one to show you what I mean, but the other one I just left because he had nothing to do with the play and it was completely irrelevant. They're rushing three. They've got a spy on the field right by the defensive line. Like it's it's farther up than I've seen most spies play, which is really weird because I think if Anthony Richardson ran it, uh, I don't think the spy was going to catch him. So it was really weird for a spy to play that far up. But Malik Davis is out wide and the right of the formation uh, runs a curl. Nicobe Dean picks it and houses it, which really just sucked. Um, but I'm at the point where I hate the play call more than I hate the execution, uh, which I realize I've spent quite a bit talking, uh, quite a bit this season, talking about Florida's play calling. Um, usually I try to keep it positive, but it, it, it's one of these instances where it's like, this was just not good execution, don't get me wrong, but the play calling was way worse than the execution. I just think it made... Kind of no sense to really call here because 
Something that bothered me a lot about this was Malik Davis being lined up as the far out right out right right wide receiver. Whoo man, being the far out wide right receiver. Um, it, it's really frustrating here because that's not something that Florida does often. So to do it in this situation with 17 seconds left in the first half, and your goal is pretty much don't screw it up. I think bringing out something like this, like, like, and I realize it's pretty simple to be like, oh, it's just a running back playing out wide. It matters a lot because you've got to get, you got to worry about timing not being right. You've got to worry about the routes being run at the same uh, expectancy that Anthony Richardson is expecting them to go. There's a lot that can go wrong here. So putting Malik Davis out there was just a dumb decision. Nothing against Malik Davis. It's just, I, I don't think this was the right time to call something like that. Um, I, I don't like the throw. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Anthony Richardson, one, should have thrown this ball. Uh, I think, personally, he should have just thrown a bomb to Justin Shorter, who had one-on-one coverage at that point, and just say, hey, make something happen. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. Who cares? Even if they pick it off at that point, that's a 70-something yard pick six. Like That's much more difficult to make. But in this case, it was the stupid quick curl who was just standing there, by the way, because it was a curl. So he was just standing there waiting, and Kobe Dean just swooped in, picked it off, and took it to the house. And Anthony Richardson like got to him at the last second, but didn't tackle him or anything, so it didn't matter. Uh, this was really the back-breaking one. And I, my biggest issue, again, is not with the execution. The execution is bad. But I think the play call was much more uh, egregious. In this case, it, it was just, it was a rough one. I, I've been pretty critical of the play calling in this game in general. Uh, I get it. We've had a few things where it's like, oh, like the QB draw. The QB draw worked. The play call worked. But it was one of the things where it's like, you're putting a lot of faith in an offensive line that hasn't given you a ton of reasons to put faith in them. So there's that. Uh, but it's also like, I, I, I don't like how a lot of the play calling went with the slot being open a lot and them not challenging their things like that. Uh this is just the worst play call, I think, from Florida. I think it was just a dumb time to call it. Poor execution, but again, that doesn't really matter. Even if this was executed well, I don't think it would have been a positive play for Florida. So I'm not super pissed about that. It was just boneheaded play call, boneheaded pass. Win, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes at that point. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow, we'll start getting into the South Carolina game. This weekend, I cannot wait for it. Now make your second listen, Locked On SEC. Get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. It is free and available on all platforms for Locked On Gators. I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And be sure to check out my pin tweet and let Locked On know why Gator Nation has the best fan base in the nation.